Amen, amen, yeah. I'm so glad you're here today. It's a great day already. It's going to get even greater. Today we're baptizing our service for the end, so I'm looking forward to that. We're finishing up a series we've called Fresh Start. We've looked at it since the beginning of the year. At first you might have thought, well, this is one of those New Year messages, kind of get us motivated to take up on some new ventures and accomplish some new tasks. And I think along the way we have found is so much more than that. God has bigger purposes for us than just New Year's goals. In the book of Acts, we saw how he began something fresh then, a fresh work on the earth when Jesus returned to heaven and the Holy Spirit came to earth. And we today are the church alive and filled with that same Holy Spirit. God is doing something fresh. Amen. Amen. He's doing something fresh in all of our lives. He's doing something fresh here at Vertical Church. You know, we've discovered throughout this series that this freshness comes as an answer to longing. Every one of us have something inside that longs for something more. The day that Adam and Eve sinned, it cast all of mankind who would ever be born after them, except one man, who caused the rest of us to all be born with hurt within us, with sin within us, with a longing for sin, but at the same time, this ache for something more, but not knowing what it is or how to get to it. The passages of Scripture speak to this more. Jesus himself said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Romans 8, 37, but in all these things, those who trust in Jesus Christ are made more than conquerors. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes and says, We beseech you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think. More, more. God has more for us. I don't care where you are in the journey today. If you took your first steps in faith a month ago or if you took them 40 years ago, 60 years ago, there is still more. So today we're going to discover more about this more. We conclude our Fresh Start series today. Man, I have loved this journey through the book of Acts. I've loved kind of this story unfolding of this fresh work that God was doing. And Lord willing, we'll return to the book of Acts at some point in the future and see more of how God worked in this early group of believers, these early generations. But today we are in Acts chapter 10. This is where we will conclude today. Acts chapter 10, we've seen so much happen from the birth of the church, the giving of the Holy Spirit, miracles abounding, and so many actual lives we've seen changed in Scripture as they followed Jesus, as they received the Holy Spirit. Today, we're in Acts chapter 10, and you have to know as a context, a a background, that at this time, the Jewish people had been the ones who had believed that they were the chosen ones, as they were but had also believed that none others could really know blessing. None others could really know the blessings of God, that they were the favored ones. Everybody else was outside of that. Everybody else were Gentile dogs in a sense, and that would include most of us in the room. 
except God had more in mind. When we get to Acts chapter 10 today, we meet a man who was outside the Jewish community, a man who was longing for something more. Acts chapter 10 verse 1, it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. So we've got his name here. And it says he was a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. So Cornelius is a Roman soldier. Cornelius is a man of authority because he is a centurion. He is over 100 men. He is a respected soldier. He is a powerful soldier. He is one who has been battle-tested along with his men, and they're willing to die at their post if they have to for their people. They were filled with allegiance to their leader and their flag. And they were the ones that the Jewish people had the most trouble with. For these Romans had come in and taken over their city. These Romans had come in and disrupted their pattern of worship. These Romans had come in and changed their way of life. And so the Jews did not look too favorably upon the Romans But we find out some more about this Roman soldier, this centurion. It says in verse 2 that he was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Wow, it's interesting. A man from Rome, a soldier from Rome, is one who knows something about God. And he prays to him always, it says. He was devout. In other words, he was very religious. Him, and not just him, but his whole household, this verse tells us. They were all very religious. They were frequent at the places of worship, which had to be fascinating for a Roman soldier. A man who is committed to containing the Jewish people And he must have secretly worshipped inside, devoutly worshipped inside and prayed, the Bible says. Now, it's very interesting as we read on a little bit more. You get into chapter 11. We're not going to go there this morning, but I can can tell you what happens there. In chapter 11, you get a, a recapping of this story we're about to see today. And it gives us a little bit more detail. What it tells us is that this man, Cornelius, that even though he was devout, even though he feared God, along with his whole household, even though he gave alms, offerings generously, even though he prayed always, chapter 11 tells us that he was not saved. He did not know Jesus Christ. He did not have release from his sins. He had not been born again. That's interesting When you read all that right there, you think, wow, this guy, this guy, he's got more on him than a lot of church folks do today. But chapter 11 makes it clear. He was doing all of this, and he did not know Jesus Christ. Did you know you can do all of this and not be saved? You can be active in a church. You can give your money. You can pray You can be very religious and not be truly saved inside. You see, he was was longing for something more. He was praying. He was seeking. He was religious. 
He was trying to improve his life. He was trying to make a good standing before God, and a lot of people do that today. A lot of people who attend church on a Sunday like today are doing so in order to try to gain some brownie points with God. If they could just maybe prove that they're not all that bad, if they could maybe strike up some points to measure against all their bad points, then maybe then they'd be accepted. But I'm going to tell you what, none of that brings you to true salvation in Jesus Christ. In fact, salvation begins with the point that says, I have sinned, I have blown it, and I am incapable on my own of knowing God. I can't be good enough, I can't be religious enough, I can't pray enough on my own to make myself saved and gain an entrance into heaven. You can't. So Cornelius is in this very interesting spot, very religious, very lost. He doesn't know who Jesus fully is. He doesn't know about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't know about his sins being paid for by Jesus. He doesn't know why Jesus came. He just knows there's got to be something more. Verse 3. It says, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Wow, how would you like that? It's your time to pray. You've set it aside. It's your quiet time for him. It's in the middle of the afternoon, and he's ready, and he's praying. And while he's praying, he's waiting, and all of a sudden, zoom, massive angel shows up. Warrior class. Angel. Cornelius. Can you imagine the shock of that kind of presence in the room? That kind of reality where God has all of a sudden spoken to you. It's personal. It's not just a general broadcast. It is personal. This is what happens in verse 3 and verse 4. It says this, And when he observed him, when he saw him, he was afraid. He should be. It's a warrior class angel. And he says, What is it, Lord? What is it? What do you want? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. In other words, God has seen. God has taken note. God sees. Now, here's what I want you to do, Cornelius. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. God has made you a point of notice. This brings us our first kind of big point today. If you're taking notes, jot this one down. Here's our big point. God hears your silent longing for something more. You see, Cornelius was a successful man. He had made it. He had moved up in the ranks. Cornelius must have been a somewhat wealthy man because as we're going to find, he has a house and a somewhat large family and they all gather at his house when they gather. He's a man of power. He's a man of authority. He's a man with possessions, but there's something inside. There's an itch that somehow just can't be scratched. When Hunter was very, very young, I mean, just months old, we noticed something about his skin, especially whenever we'd give him a bath that there'd be these red blotchy points and spots on him. And thought, what in the world? 
And then we would notice he would begin to reach at them and scratch. Then began a long journey, doctors, specialists, to find out that Hunter had eczema. Then began another long journey of oatmeal baths and medications and lotions. And it was something that just broke my heart, but Heather's heart even more so. She was the one who was with him during the day, who saw him in his times where he would just itch all over. It didn't seem to stop. In fact, we found out later from the doctor that whenever you scratch the itch, it actually makes it itch more. We think if I just scratch it, it would maybe stop the itch. But the doctor said, no, when you scratch, it makes it itch even more. Heather recalls one time she had given him a bath and gotten him out of the tub. And she was just looking at him and she was just in tears over kind of the condition of his skin at that point. And she's just crying, looking at him. She can't even speak. And Hunter looks back at her. He must have been just three at the time. And he said, Mom, you're best my friend. Yeah, that's Hunter back there in the booth. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, it's awesome. When someone comforts you when you're itching, it makes you best your friend. It does. For this man, Cornelius, there's an itch. There's something going on inside. He's, he's made it in so many ways. He's achieved what people just would long to have. He's a person of authority. He's got some stature. He's got some power. He's got some wealth. He's got, he's got what everybody wanted. But there was something missing. He had an itch for something more. My guess is everybody in this room has an itch of some kind, something that you long for. You may have never said it to a soul, but it is in there. It, you're aware of it. It burns. It, it, it's a craving. Maybe it's to know that somebody truly hears you. Maybe it's to know that someone cares about you. Maybe it's for some way to have your past forgiven. Maybe it's an itch to be free from whatever is holding you down right now. Maybe it's something you've been covering over for some time and you can't stand it anymore. And you've got this craving, this itch inside to make it go away and to truly start fresh. When you long for that, even if you have never voiced it to anybody, God hears you. God knows. He knows what you long for. And perhaps you've been like so many where you've, these things you've longed for, you've, you've turned and looked to a spouse for it. And you soon found that they weren't able to provide it for you. As good as they were, 
As much as you tried to explain it, they never could fill the longing you had inside, the itch that you had. Maybe you looked for it in a career. Maybe you looked for it in your hobbies. Maybe you looked for it in some form of self-expression. Maybe you looked for it in pleasure. Maybe you looked for it in possessions. And you know it hasn't happened yet. And there's this longing inside for something more. God hears you. And God heard Cornelius. Your prayer has come before God as a memorial. Now, I'm going to take the next passage of Scripture and kind of condense it. It's a long story, but I want to take Acts 10, verses 9 through 23, and and somewhat condense it for us and tell you part of the story without reading all the verses. You see, the story takes an abrupt turn because God said to Cornelius, I'm gonna, I want you to call for a man named Peter. He's the guy you're going to need to talk to. He's the guy that's going to help you with the next phase. He's the guy that's going to help you with this longing. But God has to do something in Peter's life first. You see, Peter comes from a Jewish background. And to be called by a Roman and to go into his house was something that Peter just could not do by conviction. I cannot go into a non-Jewish man's house. What in the world? And why would I even go to a Roman soldier's place? And Peter has inside a heart that says, I ain't doing it. I'm not doing it. And so God begins a work in Peter's life. And if you read through 9 through 23, it tells this unusual story of how God works in Peter's life. Peter's um, resting one day and he has this dream and the sheet comes down out of heaven, the Bible says, and it's filled with animals and they're all unclean animals, things that the Jewish man were not to eat. And so this sheet comes down and God says to him, eat what's on the sheet. And he says, I can't. I can't eat it. It's all unclean. Sheet goes away. Sheet comes back. Unclean meat again. Eat what's on the sheet. I can't. It's unclean. Peter says no. Sheet goes away. Sheet comes back. Third time. Filled with unclean meat. Eat the meat, Peter. I can't. It's unclean. And God says to him, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Peter had to walk through a little bit of a lesson on his own. And it wasn't just about the meat. I would have enjoyed the lesson just because of all the meat involved. That would have been awesome. I'm thinking of grilling it and smoking it, wrapping it in bacon and put some jalapenos with it and all that kind of stuff. Sorry, sorry. That's all right. It's not lunchtime yet. But Peter had to Peter had to go through some training on his own. Isn't that interesting? Here's Cornelius who's asking for answers. He's longing and craving something more. And God says, I'm going to give you the answer. But hold up. I got to do something in my man Peter's life first. I got I to work on him. I got to change him. I got to do some work in him because God never does just one thing at a time. God works in symphony, as we say here at Vertical. You know, sometimes something happens to us and we think, I wonder why that happened to me. I wonder what lesson God has for me. Let me give you a hint. God is far bigger than you. And if he's doing something big, he, if he's doing something, he's doing something big 
He is. And if something's happening you don't understand, he is at work, and he is at work in a lot more people's life than just you. If an event happens to you that you don't understand, God's going to use it in your life, but he's also going to use it in your spouse's life, your children's life, your grandchildren's life, your neighbor's life, the people at work's life. He's going to use all of it at the same time because God can do that. And when you get your eyes off of, I wonder why this is happening to me, oh, you'll see something a lot bigger than all of a sudden. You know, here over the past year, at Vertical, we have been in the search for a student pastor. And I thought this process would go relatively quickly. I was thinking, there's a lot of young men out there. They're wanting to be in the ministry. Surely we can do this thing. So we put together a team of people, and we have looked at resumes, and we have interviewed. We've sat at dinner tables We've had people come in. We've been on phone calls. We've been in FaceTime interviews. I can't tell you the number of resumes we've looked at and people that we thought, this is going to be it. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be the guy. And you bring the guy in, you're like, no, that's not the guy. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And there's been a couple of times along the way I have thought to myself, God, what are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Right? And I have to remember things like this. God is about a whole lot more than just me. He is. And so for Cornelius, God had an answer, but he had to get Peter ready first. Peter had to be worked on a little bit before Cornelius could get the answer that he needed. I'm believing that God has an answer for us in a student pastor. But now I'm believing he's not through working on him yet. Somewhere... Right now, he's working on this guy, and he's speaking to him, he's shaping him, he's challenging him, and when God gets ready here, he'll bring Cornelius and Peter and Vertical Church and this guy together, and the time will be right, amen? So in your life, look, don't get all twisted off about how something's not happening in the time that you want it to happen. God is at work. That's what we believe. And because it didn't happen in the first week, first month, the first year in the way you want it to happen doesn't mean he doesn't hear you and that he's not able to answer you. He is. And we hold to that and we wait for the answer. Amen? So don't get all upset about uh, the job situation that hadn't turned yet like you want it. Don't get all upset about the spouse that you've got that you haven't seen the results yet that you've been praying for. Don't get upset about your child that hasn't turned to the Lord yet in the way you want him to yet. God is faithful and God is at work. That brings us to our big point number two here this morning. God moves on behalf of those who seek him for more. You see, when you apply your heart to seek after him, there's something that happens. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible makes it clear that God so loved the world, all, that he gave his only begotten son. But there is something unique that happens when one of us choose to seek the Lord. Whenever you choose to seek, Surrender your will to him 
and seek him. The attention of God is all of a sudden drawn to you in a unique way. Let me read a couple of passages of scripture that will confirm this for you. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him, toward those who will seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you want to have the attention of God turned toward you, then you just turn your attention toward him. You turn with eyes that say, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to seek you until I find you. I'm going to strip everything else away in my life that's hindering me, and you will be my one pursuit. When you do that, you immediately draw the attention of God to you. The eyes of God turn to you. And, oh, he will move heaven and earth to get to you. He will begin to work on your behalf. You will see things begin to happen. For the past um, three weeks, our church has been part of a, a small group series on Sunday evenings. We have 10 groups in our community that are meeting that are full, and they're going through a series called Circle Maker And we're talking about what it means to take the promises of God and draw circles around our problems with his promises. Just like the children of Israel came up against Jericho and God said, I want you to circle Jericho. I want you to circle Jericho again. I want you to circle Jericho with my promises and believe me because I will give you this city. And it has been fascinating, even just in three weeks, to hear some of the stories that have come out of our groups. People that have said, I'm going to begin to circle my struggles with God's promises. I'm going to pray, pray circles around my hurts, my fears, my needs, and see God work. We saw a verse that said, you have not because you ask not. And so people in our church are starting to boldly ask God to answer prayer. I want you to hear a story this morning of one of our own who's had that happen. Lisa Mawinney, would you come up here for just a moment? Let's give a hand to Lisa. Lisa is the wife of Bryce Mawinney, who is often up here at the front. Lisa doesn't get the chance to be up front as much. Here you go, Lisa. It's your chance. Tell us what God's done. Good morning. Well, about two weeks ago, we had a health scare with our three-year-old, Aaron, and God was faithful through the past two weeks to organize everything in our favor, Um, starting with us being able to go to Children's and see a specialist when we thought that would wait until May. Nope, there's a cancellation. Come in two days. The specialist said, you have to have an MRI, and I want you to have it ASAP. And I haven't said this out loud to very many people, but she said to me, I catch a lot of brain tumors here, and I want you to have this right away. Okay. And what we thought was going to be a week and a half, turns out, get a call, there's a cancellation, come on Monday. Well, Saturday rolls around, and Erin catches the illness that's been in our house for three weeks, 
of which my other two children spent about a week and a half having a high-grade fever. She would not be able to have the MRI if she continued with that fever. And so I started praying. I said, God, I do not see a humanly possible way based on the course of this illness in every other member of our family that she will be healed from this fever in two days. But I know that you can do it. And if you do, there will be no other explanation other than your glory. So Sunday night, 102, pray over her. We prayed in our circle maker group that night. Um, Lord, show us your glory. Please give us your glory. There will be no explanation but for that, and we will claim that and proclaim that you are the one who did that. She goes to bed with a fever. We can't give her any medicine. We can't give her any food. She can have a little bit of water in the morning because she has to be sedated. It's about a 90-minute procedure. And she woke up at 5.30 in the morning, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, no fever, mm. completely better. Amen. And, and so we are proclaiming that, that God did that. He healed her overnight. Yeah. And um, she was able to have the MRI, and we're happy to report that it was completely normal. And she's fine. She's going to have some glasses and going on with life. And we are just so thankful for his faithfulness and that opportunity for him to show his glory in our family, um, very apparently, because there was no other explanation than yeah. his hand of healing over her. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. That's awesome. See, I'm telling you, there's something that happens. God's attention is drawn all of a sudden when we have that kind of bold, confident faith to trust him and circle up his promises around our struggles. So here's this man, Cornelius, and he's praying He's not even saved yet, but he's crying out to God, and God hears him. And so God begins to move. He moves in the man Peter. He does some work in Peter's life, and Peter goes. In Acts chapter 10, verse 24 through 33, Peter goes to Cornelius' house, which had to be this awkward moment for Peter. Okay, Lord, I'm about to walk into a Roman centurion's house. I've seen what happens to other Jews who come in contact with Roman centurions. But God, you've called me to do this, and I will. So they go to Cornelius' house. I'm going to condense some of the verses here. It says that when, when Peter walks into Cornelius' house, Cornelius is so overwhelmed, he falls down in worship before Peter. And Peter says, hey, dude, you need to get up. This is not right. Don't worship me. And they get into this moment where all of a sudden it's very apparent that God is at work here. In verse 24, the second part, it says this. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, Peter and his entourage he brought with him, and had called together his relatives and close friends. This is how confident was that Cornelius, or how confident Cornelius was that God was going to speak. Hey, everybody, we got to come over today. Pass, pass out the word, get the word out, family and friends, everybody come over because God is about to speak. I've had a longing. We've all had longings. We've all been wondering. God has said he's going to speak to us today. Everybody come over. So they do. In verse 33, it says, Now therefore, we, all, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Cornelius and his whole family gather together. And they say to Peter, Okay, Peter, this is it. We're all gathered here. We're all ready. We want to hear what God has to say to us through you. We've got longing. We don't know answers. Peter, God is going to speak through you. Ooh, man. They put themselves in the perfect 
spot to receive. Our next big point this morning is this. God speaks to those who make their heart his audience. When you make your heart an audience before God, he'll speak. When you position yourselves ready to hear, he'll speak. That's what you do if you're an audience. If you go to a movie, you go to a play, you go to a musical, you go to hear someone speak, you sit in your chair, you get your eyes forward, you remove the distractions, you quiet yourself, and if you've come into a setting where you're going to hear from God, you do all of that spiritually. You say, I'm going to set aside all the distractions. I'm going to set aside all the temptations. I'm going to set aside everything else because I've got to hear from God. You make your heart his audience. You say, God, I want to hear from you. And this beautiful picture of how Cornelius takes his family and they all gather and they're ready to hear. They are ready because they've been longing for something more. They've put themselves in a spot as an audience before Peter and before God to speak. In Acts chapter 10, 34 through 43, you have what Peter says next. I'm going to read it to you. This is Peter's message to them. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. I learned a big lesson, Peter said. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. This was massive on Peter's part to say, I believe that anybody from whatever nation they're from, from whatever background they're from, whatever nationality they can know God. It goes on and says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, he says. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day, and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission or the forgiveness of their sins. And Peter's just preaching. He's all of a sudden all over the moment. And he's just declaring who Jesus is. He says, I've learned a big lesson. I thought it was just about Jews. He said, God will work in anybody's heart that comes to him and believes because it was Jesus is the one. Because they didn't know who Jesus was. He said, Jesus is the one who came with the message from God. Jesus is the one who showed us many signs and wonders. He was anointed by God. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was the one who was speaking this message of hope. And the Jewish people killed him and they hung him on a tree. But know this, you cannot stop God. And he rose Jesus from the dead. And he walked around and he told everybody who he was. And God showed his power through the resurrected Jesus. And here was the message. And now 
all who believe, no matter what your nationality, no matter what your background, no matter what you've done, you can have the full pardon, full release, full remission of your sins. It's not by your works. It's not by the law. It's not by the temple. It's not by your efforts. It's not by keeping lists. It's not by you trying to get to more on your own. The more has come through Jesus. Boy, Peter is just preaching. He's just going after it. And these folks are just soaking it all up. They are just like, oh, this is amazing news. They now can know redemption of their life. They don't have to live in fear anymore. They can know forgiveness. They can know peace Ooh, and Peter is preaching away. What happens next is so interesting to me. I want to make one big point before we do that, though, before I show you. The more that you long for is Jesus. You see, I don't know what the more is you're chasing after. Everybody's got something. Somebody's chasing after a bigger house, nicer car, better job, more improved spouse, more improved children. And you think if you could get there, you'd finally arrive at the more. Hear the words of those who've gone before you. Hear the words of Solomon, who had more than anybody else could have. There's nothing in the stuff. There's nothing in everybody else all of a sudden getting their act right. The more happens in us when you know the fullness of Jesus. When you know it here, you're not going to be looking for your circumstances to change as much. You'll be looking for knowing Jesus more. It'll change you. The more that you long for is in Jesus, and that's what Peter told them. So Peter's preaching away. He's letting them hear it, and here's what it says in verse 44. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, Peter's still talking, which happens a lot in Scripture, but Peter's still talking, he's still preaching. It says, while this happens, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. Peter's in the middle of his message, and all of a sudden, it gets interrupted. It gets uh, kind of thrown off course a little bit. Something happens in the room, and it says, And those of the circumcision, the Jewish people who believed, were astonished as many had come with Peter. You see, they had come with Peter. They were from a Jewish background, and they're looking at all that's happening here because all of a sudden, while Peter's preaching, people start coming alive. People are shouting amen. People are saying thank you, Lord. People are jumping up out of their seats. People all of a sudden being changed. People all of a sudden being set free. They're experiencing forgiveness inside. They're experiencing love they've never felt before. They're not limited anymore. They're not guarded. They're not afraid of what someone else is going to think. And they are up and they are moving. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has come down in this place. It fell upon them. They all of a sudden are moved in a way they've never been moved before. It goes on in the next part of the verses. It says this, Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, on those outside the Jewish group. He says, For they heard them speak with tongues 
and magnify God. They began to speak other languages. They weren't just babbling. They weren't just making noise. They were speaking known languages from around their area. And the testimony that God was saying is this. This message, this freedom, this hope that you have, it is not just about you. It is about the nations. It's about all coming to know Jesus Christ. That's why tongues was given. It was for a sign. It wasn't for you to have a personal toy to take home to play with. It was to be a sign for you to use in ministry to the nations. Hello. This is what God was doing. Let me give you a couple of more statements here. We're going to wrap up here in just a moment. The more that you're longing for today is in is in embracing God's Spirit. You see, this is what was happening. These people had never experienced real intimacy with God. They had been religious, but they not had intimacy. Ooh, you can be religious all day long. You can go to church. You can pray your prayers. You can give your money. You can be devout. But if you are not experiencing real forgiveness from God on a very personal level. If you're not experiencing acceptance from God, redemption from God, closeness with God, intimacy with God, then you're just playing games and you're not having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And these folks were all of a sudden getting it. It was happening. It became personal, and it became passionate, and it became powerful. They didn't care anymore what anybody thought because they had been moved on the inside with something fresh from God. And what you long for in your more is that. An embracing of all that God has for you in the realm of the Spirit of spirit closeness with God where you break down the walls, put down the barriers, and you draw close to the Holy One because of what Jesus has done. The second more that you long for is in living for others to know Jesus. You see, there's a longing that you have. I know. I'm a person too. We're created with this longing, this craving for more. When you get filled with all that God has for you, it'll start to quench the thirst. It'll start to satisfy the itch. But it won't be completed until you learn to give yourself away for someone else to know Jesus. That's when the itch stops. That's when the quench is filled. That's when the longing is satisfied. When you get involved in giving yourself away for someone else to know Jesus Christ. When all of a sudden you say, you know what? Church is no longer going to be about me coming and getting my plate filled. I'm going to come... Because I've had my plate filled all week long. I've been walking with him. I'm coming together, and I'm going to come and feed some other people with what's on my plate. And you say, I'm going to start serving in the parking lot. Because there's people coming in, and I want them to know the love of Jesus Christ. 
So I'm going to wave at them. I'm going to smile at them. I'm going to help them get into this place. I'm going to work in the hospitality area, shaking some hands, greeting some people, connecting some people. I'm going to work at the coffee bar, serving some people, helping make people, helping them make their day right here at Vertical Church. You say, I'm going to help in kids' church because I want some children to come to know the fullness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to start working with students and student ministry because I want teenagers to know who Jesus Christ is. I'm going to start opening my home so some groups can meet there. I'm going to start teaching because I want people to know what he's got, and I'm going to give myself away. If you're not doing that yet, you're not experiencing the more that God has for you. You don't get to more by just acquiring stuff for you. You get to more when what's given to you is given away from you. I had the privilege this past week of hearing uh, the owner of Hobby Lobby speak. And I was just blown away at the statements of faith he made, at the standards that they choose to not just live by personally, but what their company chooses to operate by. Their decision to not be open on Sundays, their decision to close their stores at 8 o'clock are all based in conviction. They want people to be with their family. They want people to be able to go to church. They don't want their work to be the first thing that someone does. They want their faith to be what what the first thing is that they do in their life. Work comes later. He went on to say that they're committed as a company to honoring God with all that he gives them. And he told us that Hobby Lobby gives away 50% of all their profits to other organizations who are in need. Can you imagine? They give away 50% of their profits. Who does that? In the world, the message is get everything you can and keep it all. Heather's dad used to say, get all you can and can all you get. And some people do that. And they keep waiting, wondering, when am I going to feel better about my life? When is it going to start feeling good? When is the more going to be finally answered? When is it? And it will never be when you still got you in the middle. You still got you on the throne. Peter wraps up. Because he sees this amazing thing happening. Here's these people that were religious, and now they're come alive in Jesus. They are testifying. They are worshiping. They are filled with a passion for other people. And Peter says this next. He says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. It's kind of like at a wedding, you know. Uh, I haven't been to many weddings where they actually do this, but you see this in weddings on TV at least. You know, the minister says, can anyone here give reason why these two should not be married? You know what I'm talking about? Have I ever been to a wedding where they did that? One, okay, two, three, good, okay, not many. I haven't. It'd scare me if they did. So, It's kind of what Peter's saying here. Is there anybody here who sees a reason why these shouldn't be baptized? Can we not get some water up in this place, Peter's saying. Let's do this thing. These folks are alive. They're passionate. They've committed their lives to Jesus. It's time to baptize. It's time to do the thing that makes it public, that makes this real for them. It's time to baptize. It goes on, and he says, so he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. 
Here we go. Let's do it. And they baptized him. This brand new group of believers, Cornelius, a man who's longing for more, gathers his family together because he wants his family to know more. And God works in Cornelius' life. God works in his family's life. And oh, it works like that. God starts with one. And that one starts spilling over the joy. Starts giving themselves away. Pretty soon it's a brother. It's a sister. It's a dad. It's a mom. It's a cousin. It's a relative. Another relative. It's another friend. It's another friend. All of a sudden they all start coming to Jesus. And it gets powerful. And God changes a people. Amen? Amen. Amen. What a great story. What a great truth. God has more for you and I. But what it takes is a heart that says, God, I want you more than anything else. And I will set aside all that I might know you. And then in knowing you, the more that I have, the more I'll give away for someone else to come to know Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I know God's word is true, and I know God's word is alive, and he is speaking today. And I know there's a possibility that there are some in this room today who do not know Jesus. You have been religious. You have been going through the motions. But today, all of a sudden, God has been speaking to you and awakening the hunger for more. The itch that you've longed to have scratched, you see it's in Jesus. It's in forgiveness. It's in redemption. It's in love. If you want to begin that relationship today, it begins like this with you praying a prayer like this. Father, thank you for loving me. I have sinned. I need to be saved. I've tried being religious. I've tried what the world has, and it's not doing it. So Jesus, come into my life today. I receive you. It might be that you've already prayed a prayer like that, but today God has been speaking to you about the more. And you've been chasing after some other mores. And you're tired of the, of the race. You're tired of running. And today God calls you and says, I am your more. Receive what I have and give what I give you. Maybe today you're the one God is speaking to and he's calling you to serve, to give, to love, to make a fresh start in your life. If God is speaking to you on either one of these levels, would you just lift your hand this morning just as a testimony of God is speaking to me? Amen, amen. God is speaking to me. I hear him calling me to more. I hear him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit being here today. I thank you for...